I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to the 68th Church Mag Podcast. If you would take four or five people you know are struggling with this and just and just surround them with love and build a community around loving them and helping and walking with them into deeper faith, those wouldn't be problems. It rewires your brain. So it becomes far more than a spiritual thing. It manifests itself physically and it becomes a chemical thing. We don't have very many physical barriers to stop us except maybe not having internet at home. This week's podcast is brought to you by Tithely. Tithely is a mobile giving solution that makes it super easy to give to churches using a smartphone. It's free for churches to sign up, and if your church signs up in the next 30 days, Tithely will give ChurchMag readers and listeners their newest feature, text giving, free for three months. Sign up online at tithe.ly. That's tithe.ly. This week's podcast focuses on the problem of pornography, but more importantly, what we all can do to curb this epidemic. If you want to join the conversation or ask a question, simply use the hashtag CMAGCast. Now, before we dive into this week's podcast, let's take a listen to a Church Mag Pro Tip from Steve Fogg. You know, there isn't a day that goes by when I don't face this challenge, both professionally and privately, and I don't think it's just me. It probably impacts you, too. And some people, you know, would say, what is that challenge? And it's competition for my attention. And I if I think about even today, the voices and the, the forces that have been competing for my time and attention have been massive. Uh, whether it's social media, family, phone calls, missed phone calls, emails, staff meetings. And dare I say, even when I write on my blog, uh, they all clamor for my time and it can be very difficult to focus to finish a task and you know if I'm being truly honest with you sometimes it feels like I'm getting nothing done and you know if we think about those that show up on a Sunday they have the same challenge they probably just endured a whole morning of noise and interruption before they walk through the doors of our church and in fact they're probably bringing the same noise in their heads with them into church and that's the competition for their attention that we are battling with. And when we think we sent them an email and they haven't replied, and we wonder why, it's probably because our message got lost in the noise in the competition for their attention. And that's one of the most challenging uh, issues I see today uh, is that we're all competing for people's attention and our voices get lost in the noise. Now, there are ways that we can actually figure out how to rise above this chatter and clamor. And here are some of the ways that may help. Uh, you may send an email, but ask yourself, what would make you open an email you are crafting for a ministry? Think about your day-to-day -day routine, because you only have one or two seconds in front of that person before they hit delete or open. So how will you increase the probability that they will open your email? And I would say that it's all about the subject line. And I write more about that in my blog. The second thing I'd say is, how do you get noticed on social media? Now, are your posts disappearing in that social media graveyard? And you've got to ask yourself this simple question. Would you share your own church's content all the time? What kind of content do you love to share? You know, there are clues in this about rising above the noise and getting noticed. Again, it's about the stuff that we share and in those two seconds when we get their attention or as long as it takes to swipe their device up, that that's when we'll cut through the noise and clutter. 
And if we don't, they'll just continue to swipe up. And when we think about Sundays and they come in with all of those noises full of their heads, whether it's their kids or the golf game that they're missing. And don't get me wrong, you know, there's what we do on Sunday is a good thing. But when was the last time we had silence in our church services? And I don't mean silence for a few seconds, but I mean as long as it may feel awkward. The silence can be a wonderful weapon for decluttering our minds. Your service leader or pastor may throw a few prompts in that silence to direct people's thoughts. But we don't use silence enough. Silence is a wonderful way to cut through the noise and the clutter. And you can find out some more uh, communication tips and advice at my blog at stevefog.com. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about pornography. Um, and, you know, as we approached this topic and before we started the program, we were, we were like, how do we, how do we approach this topic? And like initially, you know, it feels like, what's the point? Like, what, what, not really, I don't mean what's the point as in why, why, why are we even talking about this? What's the point? But what <laughs> yeah, is thanks, going boss. to be our point? And I think that that <laughs> is a very important question because it, it reminds me of kind of like the sex trafficking, uh, human trafficking stuff that's out there. You know, like, oh, it, we're, we're an organization that's, we're an information campaign. It's like, well, doesn't everybody know about this yet? It's like with pornography. Doesn't everybody know that this is a problem? I mean, when you have such a high percentage of men in the church viewing pornography, okay, and you have 50% of pastors regularly looking at pornography, I don't think there's a question as to it being a problem. I think for me, the big thing about this that I would love to happen, and there's two aspects of it, is simply to put Church Mag's position out there, which I think in general has been stated if you look at any of the articles we talk about but this is a, a different form a different medium and so just simply to put our stake in the ground and say this is where we stand with it not even just from a christian aspect um because the christian aspect obviously has been clearly defined at least throughout history maybe the last five or ten years has muddied the waters with that but I think that the other aspect is, yes, we have a general understanding for, for Christians of how this looks. But for I say this in one of the upcoming video series that we're doing of church tech people might be struggling with pornography. And the difficult thing about them is, is they can go to their pastor and talk to him about they and their pastor can offer that support. Um, but the software, the hardware any of those kind of barriers to put in the way of trying to block that impulse to want to watch it is, is easily overcome. I know that for my own sake, if I wanted to get beyond porn blockers, if I wanted to deal with the fact that there's filters out there that I could personally set up myself and give passwords to someone else to say, okay, I'm never going to look at it. You'll always see what's going on. I could probably break that in about five to 10 minutes very easily because I have that background. And so I think that's the other aspect 
we can't rely on the technology solutions for things because we are church tech. And I think that's the other big thing I would really want to address. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And when I think about tackling the pornography issue, and I'm sure we've written about this in the past, both Jeremy and I have written quite extensively on it. And what's interesting, this is a rabbit trail, but I just have to say this. Whenever I drop a pornography post, I I, I always um, am surprised about the social media shares. It'll get page views, but it won't get social media shares. So mm-hmm. while people read them, they don't feel compelled to share. And I, I'm not sure exactly why. I don't know what the rationale is behind that. They'll read it, but they won't share it, right? Um, very curious. I don't know quite. Oh, I can tell you right now. It's because if I, if I share this, right? everyone knows I'm reading this. Everyone assumes I've got a problem with pornography. And Right. And I, you know what? The last, time, the last post that I wrote about pornography, Phil, I said, chances are you there that are reading this, statistically, mm-hmm. you're looking at pornography. This is the truth. See, I think that here, here's the the problem. Then is, is this? I think on that end, the the problem with pornography is pornography. But the problem with pornography in the church is that we have so elevated this as to it's now an epidemic. It's a crisis, you know. And for so, for someone to confess and say I've got a problem with pornography, you might as well say you know I'm infected and I'm one of the walking de- dead and I'm going to you know if you come near me, I'll infect you too. But statistically. That's the majority of the church. Well, no, very true. No, I know. So, 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 what do like? What do we have to do, guys? Like, what, what's really going to be the catalyst for this thing? Because, like Jeremy has pointed out, the software is that's like that's an Old Testament way of dealing with things, essentially. Because this is a heart issue. What I see the power with the software and the technology barriers is to protect your kids from mistakenly stumbling on stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's worth the weight in gold for that purpose there because see, right. so much of, it's a backstop. So much of kids' first exposure to porn is accidental. Right. Mm-hmm. Here, here's my clinical aspect of this. The You guys talk about this. Do uh, we need special music for this? Yes. Can you please lay down, Phil? I can't tell if you're laying down or not, but can you just confirm or deny? I, I am, I'm laying down if the world were rotated 90 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so no. All right. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is this is simply an impulse behavior of um, in the moment uh, if you just talk to somebody in general, do I want to look at pornography? Everybody would say no. I mean, everybody would say no, except for the radical pastors that then you start asking, is their theology lining up with scripture? And whether you're looking at pornography or not, so the answer is no. And it's just the generally accepted fact. And it's not like a, I'm just following because I should follow, but people truly believe that. It destroys marriages. It um, gets in the way of your relationship with God, and it at times can become an addiction. I've had some. Uh, I've put out like a a tweet or a blog post that's talking about pornography, and there is um, someone I know online, um, an online acquaintance, and he's an atheist, and he replied to that tweet, and we had a little bit of a discussion. He is adamantly opposed to it, and he told me about how you know it, it nearly destroyed him pornography did and and this is somebody that doesn't even believe in the existence of god so when you have you know believers and non-believers alike when you have reddit groups that are against pornography um you you know that that there's something fundamentally uh wrong with it i i agree and i think that's 
Okay, there, there's two things I want to I want to tag on to that. I've got a friend also who who was a Christian at one point in time, but no longer is, and he is adamantly opposed to pornography because of what it does in objectifying women, uh, how it leads to sexual um, deviance and violence in many cases. Um, I would say many cases, but it, it can lead to those things. I don't know what the actual proportion is. So I shouldn't say. I shouldn't quantify that. But uh, he's very opposed to it, and, and, and he's strong, strongly so even though he doesn't, he doesn't believe in um, a Christian morality anymore. In fact, he believes there's no objective basis for morality. Um, that, that being said, statistically, the majority of the church is looking at pornography. I, that's an, a loaded statement because the church is a diverse group, okay? So does that mean, like, people who marginally attend church are looking at pornography? Probably. Okay, okay, half of 50% of pastors. Phil. No, that's a big deal. I agree. But then again, theologically speaking, Eric, you're looking at a lot of, a lot of churches that are very liberal in their theology. They don't – like – uh, I, forget which, I forget which denomination was, Eric, but I was looking at some stats a while back, and these are old stats. But like, it was one denomination in the United States where less than 5% of their pastors believed the Word of God was divinely inspired. So if you're a pastor and the Bible means nothing to you, well, of course you're looking at porn. You've got a reason not to. So that stat does not scare me as much. So it's, what scares me more is that pastors have lost their their reverence and faith in the Word of God. So, so if you if you have no moral objective anchor, you have no reason not to be morally deviant. Well, and here's the here's the other part of this is we're talking about the idea of the theological aspect of this. This is something that goes beyond theology. And for me, it's it's truly an impulse thing of whether you're Christian or not. People say it's bad. And I think for me, the way that I address impulsivity in general, whether it's porn, food, wanting to go use alcohol or other substances, is that you have to put things in your life that help you block that impulsive decision of, oh my goodness, I see something in my life, I should use it right now because I have the urge to do so. And that can be with pornography of, I had a thought, I saw something on my Facebook feed of just a a woman scantily clad. Um, is that still a thing? Um, anyways, the idea of just simply trying to block that impulsive decision for church tech people, um, software is a physical barrier. But for me, I don't ever just say, okay, just have one kind of barrier in front of you because it's easy to circumvent that. But if you have the, the internal aspect, and this is my counseling pitch, if you have the internal barriers but as well as external barriers and the physical barriers all set up, it doesn't even mean that you're not going to go look at it, but it's allowing for you to set up an entire structure and system around yourself to truly stop trying to look at pornography. And the big thing about that is, is internally that's on you. Externally, it's other people supporting you. And physically, you have those specific barriers. And for church tech people, that's a whole lot less barriers because I can easily get around them. And I think that that, for me, is a big deal is because we don't have very many physical barriers to stop us except maybe not having Internet at home. And I don't know if that's even a possibility anymore. Here's the thing that, that I have learned over time, and that is lust is like a muscle. And the more you, know, the more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes. Mm-hmm. And the more you deny it and the more you, you let it become lethargic, mm-hmm. the, the, less, uh, the, less it, it, the less that it comes up as a problem. And for church tech people, we have to start relying on that aspect more than the, the external. The, well, the, the, the software, the tech aspect, we can't rely on that. Right, exactly. Uh, guys, exactly. here's the thing, though. I, I don't think this is, goes beyond theology, Jeremy. I, I don't. Um, it goes beyond the academic side of it. But 
my point in this is I feel like the world is against it and the world's fighting it like the world fights everything with awareness, you know, and that, that, that while like, while like end it movement and, and human trafficking, I think we need more awareness because I think there are a lot of people, people, people who know about it are people who are online. Mm-hmm. Okay. For as far as end it goes, um, those people know. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. people with power and authority aren't online, and they don't—they're not—they're not aware. They don't care. So I can see the point of awareness on that end of things. Pornography, Eric, is, makes a great point. So many people are viewing it; they're definitely aware of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they may not be aware is the fact that everybody else is, you know, dealing with it too. So why not, you know? Let's create a little bit of air of openness for confession, for healing, for support. At the same time, where the theology comes into play is that we can be like, we can, we can kind of get, get into this Don Quixote kind of mentality. We're, we're going to attack pornography. We're going to attack pornography. Let's deal with the underlying issues. It's a, it's a, it's a lack of focus on God. A lack of um, of desire for God, or, or he's not he's not our, he's not our fulfillment. I'll say that not necessarily yep. desiring God. What about he, this? He's not satisfying us. And so this is totally not tech, but the pushback to that is: Would you say that someone that struggles with alcoholism and has that chemical dependency and has turned their life to God, they never had a relationship with Him before, but still has that physical dependency and want to be able to have that? People that struggle with pornography have that same chemical dependency in their brain. I know. Dopamine. It rewires your brain. So it becomes it becomes far more than 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 um like a, a spiritual thing. It it then becomes mm-hmm. it manifests itself physically and, and that, it becomes a chemical well, thing. That's not a relationship with God anymore. That's their battle is with the chemistry that goes no, with I, that. I agree so, with that guys. I, I agree with that. Filter. But I think but I think that my, my problem with this discussion is is that it, it has to be a multi pronged approach. And I think it has to start with mentally spiritually why am i opposed to this and eric you made a great point in your you know five non-religious reasons you know to avoid pornography and the end it with like but you know here's my reason i'm a christian you know and it's, it starts there it has to start there and i'm not saying there, there can't be more than this guys but my point is is that until we uh, my wife is teaching a class at church uh, from the book made to crave okay it's a it's for women about craving god instead of craving food but uh, in the second episode of the series, this lady makes a great point. She's talking to her son, who had um, he had uh, gone too far with his girlfriend. He hadn't gone all the way, quote unquote, but he'd gone too far. And she talked to him about how you know you're made for better than this. You're made to crave God. Remember who you are. Remember uh, you know who you're created to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first part of the discussion. Is that it, when we look too much at our sin, we make our sin too big. Look more at God. Mm-hmm. If you are stuck in any kind of sin habit, even if it's now the point where we're beginning to rewire your brain, you're you're in you're in a physical mental addiction state. You need to look more to God. That's where you get the strength to fight the sin. Absolutely. And I think like we focus too much on the on the sin and practical. We need it. You got to have practical steps. You got to put your computer in a place where people can see you using it. You got to get off your mobile devices. You need to spend more time offline than online. All those things. If you're tired, go to bed. Don't get on the computer. All those kind of practical steps. But uh, the first thing has to be I have to look at God more than anything else. And when I'm looking at God, I won't have time to look at porn. And it sounds cliche, I know. But it, honestly, that is the first step in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, one of the big things I have difficulties with is absolutes in general. But the church loves to throw around absolutes with, with, uh, with sexual immorality in general. And let's be honest. 
my the people I work with, the background are they've been raped, molested. Um, their fathers have put their sons in situations where they have to do something about their sexual aspect, and it's been forced upon them. I mean, they've been forced to look at pornography by their parents. The idea that friends have tried to just encourage them, and there's peer pressure. There's so many things that can be outside forces that can lead to something like this, that it wasn't just a personal sin, but they've actually had to experience something like this from an outside force. So I don't want to go down this road of talking about this because it's outside the church tech realm, and there's so many unabsolutes that factor into this that people could be listening to that could completely disagree with you phil because of their own experience and that's the problem and that's the problem with well and that's the problem with the idea of sexual the sexual sin aspect of there it it can be something that can happen to you and that for me is upsetting but here's 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 a a backup first of all i don't care about the church tech aspect of this because right now let's just be pastoral and open with the church tech audience okay no no it can have a great it can have a great church tech because for me i take the stance that pastors should be talking about sexual immorality and i think that the church tech even though they might be in a servant role of wanting to serve the church this is where you can find your ministry is saying i'm going to support the church by saying i know about the software i'm going to know about the idea of how to support the church right when you're struggling in the moment with with looking at the pornography as well as afterwards and parenting well my point is just a sound booth is a lonely place you know yeah, yeah exactly sure. because you know our department so to speak is internet it's geekness it's comic books exactly. look mm-hmm. the internet being online okay that's our department and so i, I yeah. really feel like this really squarely can hit us and just like Jeremy said, it's, 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 I almost, Eric, I almost did not want to per, pursue writing for Church Max. It meant I'd have to be online more often. And just, I, I, I like, it's, I like, I, I like the internet, but I also hate the internet for a lot of reasons, not just pornography, for a lot of reasons. The internet's stupid a lot of times. <laughs> here, here, here's what I, here's what I think. And, 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 you know, as we tackle this, clearly there's all kinds of different angles we can go. And some of these angles I think are covered really well from other organizations uh, or other places, or it's been done before. Right. Um, and so I've been really thinking about what our role might could be in this, not only as Jeremy said, as far as talking to the church tech community specifically, but how we could do this a little bit differently. And as I think and look about the the church and I see how we deal with sin and how we how we treat others and um, like you said, you know, you don't want to put too much focus on the sin, but at the same time, I feel like the church in general has lost, um, is shies away from transparency. If you think... If you think about it, if 50% of pastors are viewing pornography, what would happen if even a fraction or even all 50% of those pastors admitted, confessed that to their church? What would happen to them? They'd be removed from the pulpit. Exactly. And so that's actually policy in a lot of denominations. And so this is is really a top-down problem. What happens if you're a Sunday school teacher and you admit that, that, that you have indulged in pornography? You're going to be removed. Maybe what needs to happen is we need to start we need to start telling our stories, and I don't mean telling stories. Um, I remember a long time ago I, I was uh, reading or listening to someone who was talking about counseling and, and some s- spiritual warfare kind of stuff, and they said that you had to be really careful, especially in this kind of department uh, or this kind of genre of problems, because some people um, it can become an unhealthy thing because they want to hear about people's dirt, and we don't want to hear we don't want to talk about our dirt specifically. Um, 
uh, or you know in detail rather but i'm starting to wonder if that's what we need to do we need to share our stories and say hey look I've looked at pornography, or I looked at pornography, or this is how, um, you know, th- th- this is my story. This is where I'm coming from. And maybe an open, honest conversation could begin from there. I don't know. I think. I mean, that, that's pretty th- risky for a lot of people. I think that's where, this is an area, I, I, got a, I got a pushback to Jeremy's pushback to my pushback in a second here. I think that's an area where I think um, older men in the church who perhaps have struggled with this and come out of it, um, or found some victory, need to share that then with like with like, like pastors. You might be an older man in the church with a younger pastor, and go go to your pastor. Maybe, maybe take another guy with you for just accountability sake and say, "Hey, pastor, I just want to talk to you quick. You don't need to tell me anything, but here's where I've been in my life. Here's the victory I found, and if if you need anything, you can talk to me." And we'll pray through anything. And that's where we need that kind of a band of brothers approach. And I know there's women who have struggled with this as well. Some don't make it just a male-only issue. But that's where I think we've lost so much of the older and experienced mentoring the younger. And that's why this problem is going to spiral out of control. Why is it the church's reaction to this? It seems to me like it needs to radically change because we can have people currently indulging in gluttony. We can have people who, who, can, who can go on and off cigarettes and there's you know we 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 just hey let's pray let's encourage you but if you say that hey you know i went a few years without pornography and i looked at it last week then it's it's like jeremy said and i may have edited edited out because his voice was so distorted he said you be become excommunicated like that that really has to to shift and change does it not to if we were really serious about extinguishing this problem it certainly does the problem is because people I think there's two reasons why porn is gross, and and what you're the whole process is is repulsive, and it repulses anyone except the person who's using it at that moment. You know, like, wow. it's, it's, it's repulsive, and 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 I, but I think the second point is that when people share about that, is that the person they're sharing with probably has had some experience themselves, and they're uncomfortable because they feel they feel that guilt, even if wow. they've been, but they've had victory, they've moved on past it. There's that residual like, ooh, that was me at one point in time. My, my pushback to Jeremy's comment earlier, I, I want to clarify, I'm not on a pulpit here preaching it at people who use porn and calling them sinners. My point is this, uh, and like, it kind of responds to what you said in one of your articles, Eric, is that people who who are stuck in this rut and want to get out and they want to glorify God and they feel like they feel like a constant failure. Those people need to stop looking at their failure and look at God's victory and start yeah. there. The is that, Go ahead, Jeremy. Is, is that a porn issue? No, it's not. That's my, that's my point is that the issue here is not porn in itself. The issue, first mm-hmm. of all, is sin and God's position in your life. Because mm-hmm. any sin, you, you can, food can become addictive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are addictive people. We're made to worship and crave something. Anything can become addictive. Yeah, Phil. Clearly, food. Clearly, food worship is run rampant. Oh, t- definitely. <laughs> Look at Instagram. <laughs> uh, technology. Well, well like, C.S. Lewis got a great analogy, and I forget, I'll butcher it here. But you know, if if our world society grew up differently, people would be, would be paying money to go into dark theaters and look at look at a cake instead of a you know a, a naked woman. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, so anything we are made to worship and when god is not the center of our worship we're going to go off on the deep end in a number of areas i mean mm-hmm. technology we, we like why is everything now oh, it's food porn now it's tech porn everything is with that term why is it because we're worshiping anything but god mm-hmm. we're, getting, and, we're, we're addicted, to, addicted to everything but him 
I think for me, one of the big things that's come out of the 90s is a whole lot of sex shaming. And so I want to be careful of saying sex in and of itself is not gross and grotesque, just to your comment, Phil, earlier. And I'm not saying you said that, but it's when you invite the camera into the room and take it outside of the bedroom that that's whenever it completely objectifies the process. And I think that's the difficult thing because I think a lot of people in my generation a lot of people I talk to all the time are saying, well, I was supposed to not enjoy sex and now I'm allowed to have it. And I think that that's a big deal. And and that's really ultimately really where the pornography thing comes in because they were like, I recognize there's something great about sex and I'm not allowed to have it at this point or it's not working for me or there's something wrong in my marriage or I'm single and can never find a relationship. And I know that sex is really great. And so pornography is there. And, and as you said, Phil, that's the background issue. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I want to be careful, at least in the sense of sex in and of itself is really great. And I'm fine with that. But it's when you take it outside of the bedroom. And so for me, saying that comment is taking outside the bedroom and it feels kind of icky. And I think that that's the difficult part of things. And so I don't ever want to have that shame of sex, but it's taking outside the bedroom. And even saying, even with the, oh, I have a problem with this. Even with the youth pastor saying, man, look at my hot wife. Yeah. (laughs) My wife is very stunning and beautiful. That's why I married her. And like, right. That, 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 that drives me nuts when I see that. And, um, uh, I feel like this conversation can go on. It will go on. It'll go on, on church mag and probably future podcasts. And, I think we're going to talk a little bit more seriously offline um, about what we can do, what Church Mag's role can be um, from here on in the future as far as doing something a little bit different, a little bit unique that maybe could could really help curb this problem, maybe chip away at this at this giant mountain known as the pornography problem. But as somebody who's written a lot about sex trafficking on other blogs as well, not just pornography about pornography on church mag i will say that the culture in general has oversexualized everything 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 is oversexualized people um young people it's it's it certainly is an epidemic and a problem and i clearly this is like phil pointed out a multi-prong approach this is a very dynamic and complex issue but what I'm curious about us exploring is how Church Mag can, in a very unique and personal way, make a big difference in a few people's lives to maybe start turning this, turning this uh, tide, um, you know, one drop at a time at this ocean of a problem. And I think that's where church tech can be huge is where you personalize it and you don't make it about... I think that you leave it to the pulpit to talk about objectifying women, sexual immorality, and you leave it to the church tech people, which is funny because a lot of us are very um, introverted. But in that introvertedness, we want to have those personal relationships with, with people so badly, and we want to just make it about a couple people. How amazing can this be if we make that the ministry where we are personally investing in parents and young men and people that are struggling with this and people that are not struggling with this? and just say we're going to build you up in a very personal way to be able to help make the church a little bit more holy. I, I agree with all that, guys. I think to, to kind of not qualify my statements, but to give context to what I was what I was trying to get at. There, um, I'm a pastor. I'm on staff at a church part-time. And so many people come to me, and they've, they want a crusade against divorce or against this or against that. And my response almost always is, you know, if you would take – 
four or five people that you know are struggling with this and just and just surround them with love and build a community around loving them and helping and walking with them into deeper faith, those wouldn't be problems. Or the problems would, would slowly begin to begin to heal. Because I feel like so many of our problems in, in any number of areas could be fixed if the church were doing its job of being a loving community of people who are saved and being slowly sanctified and made more holy, being freed from all addictions and all things that do not glorify God. All right. Well, let's do it, guys. Let's do it. We're going to start it. Um, I can I can promise you that um, uh, over. Well, I think I think both you you I think both you guys already know this. Um, over a year ago, I I purchased a domain. I had kind of a, a fragment of an idea, and I purchased the domain. I recently renewed it, and I think I finally finally figured out what we need to put there. So all I got to say is details coming soon. Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to use the hashtag CMAGCast if you have any questions or comments. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, you can submit any comment, question, or podcast ideas using our super-duper, easy-peasy online form at churchmag forward slash riddle me this. Until next week. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. Because what you need is one more project.